Were some of the CIA involved as 9-11 hijackers? Oh, yep, got that story tonight. Yeah, we're going all the way back to 9-11 crap. The UN is backing pedophilia. Isn't that good? Yeah, why are we so bright? My God. Okay, and more dangers of TikTok. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We are live on rumble.com. And uh, what else is there? Go oh, we got lots going on tonight. Insane. It's a uh, it's Wednesday, right? Yeah, we're halfway through the week. And uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. And we want to start off as we always do with our update on our favorite furry little friend. That's Miko. And the Miko update. Wait, where'd we go? There we are. <laughs> this was just this afternoon, about uh, five, six o'clock today. And she had two of her best friends stop by. Uh, there is a guy in our neighborhood who's got two golden retrievers. They are adorable. Uh, that one, the younger looking one, is called Max. The older looking one I call old man because I can never remember his name. I don't know what is, I can't remember what is, anyway, this guy is like a thousand years old. This dog is so old, and, but he still gets around. He still goes out for walks. Max is only about two or three years old, I think, but he is oh, full of piss and vinegar. And as big as they are, you know what? As a matter of fact, let me, let me uh, play the video of them interacting. Here we go. Uh, this is these guys having fun on the side yard of my house today. Um, that's uh, the old man there. You can see how he had trouble getting around. But when, when it comes to Miko, he is beside himself happy. There's Max. Max is the young guy, and, and he's going crazy. And, of course, they're greeting each other in the doggy way. Uh, but they had such a good time. Look at the size of Miko, and look at the size of Max. But she doesn't put up with any crap from him. She goes right after him. She's playing and running around. She goes over to the old man. He's beside himself happy because he's got some little girl he can uh, romance. Uh, so, yeah, they had an absolutely fantastic time today when uh, Max came over to visit. Max and the old man came over to visit. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So there's, there's Miko and all the fun that, uh, that she had today with, uh, with Max and the old man. <laughs> Look at that. They are just having a ball. Our Miko updates brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com. It's a monthly subscription service for your dog. You sign up, and if you sign up using our link, BarkBox.com slash Miko, you will get a free month with a multi-month subscription. You can sign up for just one time if you want. You try it out, but you'll be back. And then if you go to six months or 12 months subscription, first of all, the price is a little cheaper, but you'll also get that free month if you use our link, barkbox.com slash Miko. Now, if you look in our show notes down below, you'll see that link. Below it, there's an alternative offer, which is only for the month of April. It's a very limited time. So you only got about another week to go. And if you choose that link, from our show, in our notes, uh, you will get a double box as your first box. You get four dog toys, four bags of treats, and two dog chews. A double box. Very cool. And that is our special offer from BarkBox. These guys are amazing. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Anything you ever don't like about it, you get a hold of customer service, they'll make it right. It is a fantastic offer, and it's a fantastic product. BarkBox.com slash Miko is our link, and uh, check them out. All right. Well, we have some interesting and interestinger stuff tonight. Uh, yeah, I know. Where you are in the U.S., it's... Uh, it's the early morning hours, but uh, here in Malaysia, it's uh, well, we're just about done with our day. Actually, this is a uh, a frightening story, but it's one that needs to be told. I have for a very long time been one of those tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists, and damn proud of it. That truly believes 9-11 was an inside job. You will never, ever convince me otherwise. I know it's out of the news cycle. Nobody talks about it anymore. You know, we're all thought of as uh, wackos. But if you research it, if you go, you know, the uh, engineers and architects for 9-11 Truth, that group, fantastic group. 
Well, this article just appeared uh, April 12th this year. Uh, it's from RT. Now, I know RT, but read the article with that in mind, and you may get your eyes somewhat opened. Special service, declassified Guantanamo court filing suggests that some of the 9-11 hijackers were CIA agents. What does the intelligence agency have to do with the suicide terrorist attack? An explosive court filing from Guantanamo Military Commission, a court considering the cases of defendants accused of carrying out the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York, has seemingly confirmed the unthinkable. The document was originally published uh, via a Guantanamo Bay court docket, but while public, it was completely redacted. Everything, total black, completely redacted. Now, independent researchers got a hold of an unredacted copy. It is an account by the commission's lead investigator, DEA veteran Don Canestraro, of his personal probe of potential Saudi government involvement in the 9-11 attacks. It was conducted at the request of the defendant's lawyers. Two of the hijackers, the accused hijackers, were being closely monitored by the CIA and may, willingly or not, have been recruited by Langley long before they flew planes into the World Trade Center buildings. Now, the story of the two men is in this article. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You need to read it yourself, but please read it. It's an eye-opener. Of the many enduring mysteries of the 9-11 attacks, still unresolved 20 over years later, the biggest and gravest relate to the activities of Nawaf al-Hazmi and Khalid al-Mindha in the 18 months leading up to that fateful day in September. The pair traveled to the U.S. on a multi-entry visa in January of 2000, a year before the attacks, despite having been repeatedly flagged by the CIA and the NSA previously as likely Al-Qaeda terrorists. And yet, in and out they come at almost free will on a multi-entry visa into the U.S., Mere days before their arrival, uh, they attended an Al-Qaeda summit right here where I am in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, during which key details of the 9-11 attacks were likely to have been discussed and agreed upon. That's pretty scary. Meetings secretly photographed and videotaped by Malaysian authorities at the request of the CIA's Alex Station special unit set up to track Osama bin Laden, although oddly no audio was captured. Hmm. Anyway, this background should have been sufficient enough to present, uh, prevent these two from ever coming into the country. But it wasn't. At least enough for the FBI to be informed about them being in the U.S. As it was, they were admitted for a six-month period at LAX. Without incident. Waved them through. The bureau representatives within Alec Station were blocked from sharing the information with their superiors by the CIA. Hmm. That's the two of them there. This article contains a lot more information about these two. In the wake of the 9-11, Bayoumi, unsurprisingly, became a subject of interest of an FBI probe, potential Saudi involvement in the attacks known as uh, Operation Encore, a 2003 interview with the investigators in Riyadh. He claimed his meeting with Hazmi and Midhar was a coincidence. He heard them speaking Arabic, realized they couldn't speak English, and decided to assist them out of uh, an act of goodwill or charity. Yeah. The Bureau, however, reached a very different conclusion. Uh, Bayoumi was a Saudi intelligence operative and a part of a wider militant Wahhabist network in the U.S., which 
handled a myriad of potential and actual terrorists, and monitored the activities of anti-Rihad dissidents abroad. What's more, Encore judged there to be a 50-50 chance he had advanced knowledge of the 9-11 attacks before they happened, as did the Saudi government. All hidden away, all in a redacted report, and all released because somebody managed to find an unredacted version, and it's hit the presses. We don't talk about this enough. We need to keep it in the news cycle because it is still an issue, and it has never been resolved. Building 7, which fell at freefall speed, is one of the biggest red flags there could possibly be. There are thousands of others. But Building 7, if you need convincing, look it up. 9-11 were some of the hijackers, at least two, possibly, CIA agents. That is some scary crap, my friends. Unbelievable. <sighs> read the, please, 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 please read the article. You really have to. Hey, you know, in today's digital age, we're going to get to uh, one of our sponsors here. It's NordVPN, uh, it, online privacy, security, more important than ever before. Uh, you know, all this AI, all this digital crap, if they, God forbid, put this central bank digital currency through, uh, NordVPN is the perfect solution for protecting your privacy. You can browse the web securely, privately, without worrying about hijackers, snoopers, or, you know, even your own internet service provider, your own ISP, is tracking you online and everything that you do, all the websites you visit, all the things you download, they have military-grade encryption technology that ensures your data stays safe and confidential at NordVPN. Not only does NordVPN protect your privacy, but it also unlocks a world of online content. Over 5,000 servers in 59 countries. Wow. Uh, you can access your favorite websites, streaming services from anywhere in the world, and protect your family and friends, too, because with your one NordVPN account, you can connect up to six devices. You can get your whole family in there. NordVPN user-friendly in interface, easy. You just click the button, fire it up, press one button, you are done. And 24-7 customer service, always available to help you if you have any questions. Why risk your online security and freedom? Choose NordVPN and enjoy the Internet without limitations if you use the link in our show notes down below here that's a special link it will get you an amazing deal with uh three months at 59 percent off that's huge use our link nord vpn and uh protect your online data and privacy seriously it's not something to joke about and it's something you're gonna want to do all right we got more Oh, yeah, we got more. From Red State. This is a another head shaker, I'm afraid. Biden threatens to veto the Save Women's Sports Bill. Takes home the gold for hypocritical lies. A shameless coward, a disgrace to decent Americans everywhere. I'm talking about the rotting puppet in the White House. Uh, the issue at hand will provide ample explanation. The sad fact of the so-called biological males, which is rather redundant because males are males, uh, beating the hell out of a woman and girls in sports not only is obscene, it's disgusting. And far-left America loves it, including Biden. He actually supports and defends this degeneracy of this reprehensible reality. In an official statement of the administration policy released Monday, just two days ago, get this. The administration said Biden will veto 
the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, if it makes it to his desk. Now, here's a bit of the bill. Generally prohibits school athletic programs from allowing individuals whose biological sex at birth was male to participate in programs that are for women or girls. Specifically, the bill provides that it is a violation of Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 for federally funded education programs or activities to operate, sponsor, facilitate athletic programs that allow individuals of the male sex to participate in programs that are designated for women or girls. Yeah. The bill is straightforward, fair, both males and females, so-called transgender athletes as well. The same cannot be said for Biden's veto threat, which is chock full of hypocrisy. As reported by Breitbart, the White House statement misrepresents everything from an absolute ban on so-called transgender athletes to hypocritically criticizing opposition to males in female sports, incredulously declaring, this is a quote, politicians should not dictate a one-size-fits-all requirement that forces coaches to remove kids from their teams. Yet, one-size-fits-all is exactly what this moron Biden and these idiot Democrats are attempting to force down the throats of athletes and organized sports all across America. Students nationwide taking part in sports, being part of a team, an important part of growing up, staying engaged in school, learning leadership, learning the life skills. Well, this H.R. 731 would deny access to sports for many families by establishing an absolute ban on transgendered statement, uh, students. That's the administration's statement, which is not true. The bill does not place any absolute ban on transgendered athletes. What it does is limit all participants to compete solely in categories that match their birth gender. Transgendered athletes are not kept from joining sports, They just have to join the sport that matches the gender of their birth. Hypocritically, Biden's statement goes on to mumble, politicians should not dictate a one-size-fits-all requirement that forces coaches to remove kids from their teams. This from the same regime that stands against the ability of anybody on a local level to make decisions and wants to require a one-size-fits-all policy across the country that mandates by the federal government to force doctors and hospitals to engage in ridiculous, unneeded, unnecessary, unauthorized, risky surgeries and therapies that just simply push transgenderism. This goes on. Read the article. The link is in our show notes. It is just more of the BS from this ridiculous, you know, just don't even put him up there, from this idiot and the crap that this Biden administration is putting out there. And, you know, I meant it when I said it, as much as Biden's an idiot, demented, out of touch, it's not him. It has never been him. From the first day he hit office, when he shut down the 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 pipeline? This is not him. He's not, A, he's not smart enough. B, he has completely lost his mental facilities to dementia. This is not him. He's just a mouthpiece. That's all. Just imagine a puppet with the strings up above. That's all he is. Whoever's pulling the strings behind, those are the people. Those are the people we need to go after because those are the people causing these problems. Joe Biden is just He's just mouthing the words they tell him to say. And he's not doing a really good job of that either. Yeah. You think I'm kidding? Here's, uh, where is he? Oh, I haven't got it. Okay, we'll do it next time. That's all right. Fine. (laughs) All right. The U... (sighs) I almost led with this story because it's huge and it's horrifying. 
And if this doesn't piss you off and get you off your ass out to do something finally, because something needs to be done, nothing will. Check out this headline from the Daily Wire. UN-backed report suggests normalizing pedophilia, decriminalizing all sexual activity. The UN. You'd think I'm kidding. I am not. A UN-backed report published last month, and it's only making the rounds on the news cycle now, suggests that global leaders should normalize pedophilia, allowing children to legally decide on whether or not they're going to engage in sexual activities with adults. This is the UN. Wrapped inside a human rights-based analysis on the impact of criminal laws prescribing sexual and reproductive health rights, consensual sexual activity and gender ideology, here we go, the International Committee of Jurists, UNAIDS, and the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights published this report. It calls for offenses that are related to sex, drug use, HIV, sexual and reproductive health, homelessness, and poverty to be decriminalized. In a quote, sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual, in fact, if not in law, the Geneva-based ICJ wrote, basically legalizing having sex with minors, pedophilia. Authors of the uh, report further advised lawyers, judges, and law enforcement to consider the rights and capacities of persons under 18 years of age to make decisions about engaging in consensual sexual conduct and their right to be heard in matters concerning them. Folks, this has to stop or be stopped. This is beyond belief. This article is in our show notes. I encourage you not only to read it, but share it. Share it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, uh, whatever platform, social media you're on. Share this article out there so people know what these morons at the UN are up to. I cannot wait till 2024 when Trump gets back in the White House and we dump NATO and we dump the UN and we dump all these ridiculous things that Paris Climate Agreement Accord. It will be a glorious day when that happens, my friends. And it will happen. It will happen. I know, you're laughing. All those uh, lefty, whack, Democrat nut jobs out there. You're laughing. Go ahead, laugh now. You won't be laughing in a little while. Hey, we talked on this show to death about the dangers of TikTok. Hang on a second. I need a coffee break. Mmm. By the way, you see that? I know it's burned out. You can't see it very well. Let me hold it back here. That's the Jay Sheldon Show coffee mug. We got t-shirts, hoodies. We even have a Bluetooth speaker. Check it out. Links in our show notes. Pick up some merch. And let me just take a second before we get on to our next subject here. This is so cool. We have a new art gallery but it's not the kind of art gallery you might think. There's two links to the J. Sheldon Merchandise uh, store because we've got two stores. The second one I just set up, I know, we talked about the dangers of AI, but I'm still playing around with it until it starts to control my life. What I did was I went to an AI art generating site and I put in the buzzwords, the keywords, the J. Sheldon Show. And it came up with the weirdest stuff. These five or six pictures, pieces of art, none of them are connected. None of them look like the other. They're all completely different. But I thought, 
that's kind of cool. So I opened up an art gallery and you can buy them. They are The link is in our show notes. You'll see Jay Sheldon merchandise. And then the link below that is our art gallery. It's all generated by AI. Each one has been signed by me. And while I can't limit the amount available, what I'm going to do is once 10 of them have been sold each piece, I'm going to take it off, delete it. So it will be gone. Very limited edition. So if you're interested, I know it's kind of wacky, but they're kind of cool. Check them out anyway and see if you want to pick one up. Go to the link. It's the uh, Jay Sheldon Show Art Gallery. It's, it's actually damn cool. It really is. I, I know I'm promoting my own stuff here, but trust me, this is really cool. And it was generated by AI, which is, which is weird. Hey, guess what? I got to take another quick break. Hold on. Hi, buddy. Come here. Look who's here. Look. This is Miko. Hey, Meek. Miko, you want to say hi? We already did your updates, so we can't do any more updates. Can you look at the camera? Can you turn around? Can you spin? There you go. <laughs> that is Miko, who rarely, if ever, comes up here. But you know, sometimes, because Hari Raya is just a couple days away uh, here in Malaysia and across the uh, is Islamic world, but uh, there have been fireworks, and she hates fireworks. They scare the hell out of her. So... She has been sneaking up here at night when I'm working in the studio and uh, popping by to say hi. Can we, can we just keep her on camera? You want, you want to hang out for a little bit? Hmm? Yes. All right. We'll let her hang out for a little bit. Why not? She's not too much in the way. I can still operate things, I think. All right. Let me know when you want to get down, dog. Okay. We have talked about the dangers of TikTok. We know the dangers of TikTok. We know I highly recommend you get it off your phone. You do not use it. You get it off your kid's phone, which is going to be a fight from hell. But because of the amount of spyware, the amount of data collecting the Chinese Communist Party does, they own it. They control it. I know it's ByteDance, but it's not. It's ByteDance is owned by the Chinese Communist Party, okay? Well, there are other ways in which this ridiculous app, TikTok, is hurting people, and in this case, killing people. This link is in our show notes tonight from the Epic Times. A boy has died after overdosing on quite common allergy medicine because he took up a TikTok challenge. Now, if you don't know, on these social media platforms like TikTok, They'll do these wacky-ass challenges where you do something that is just on the verge of deadly or dangerous. In fact, most of the times, they're very dangerous. But it becomes this thing, and everybody starts having to try it. Well, in this case, that little guy right there on the screen is dead because of a TikTok challenge. 13 years old from Ohio, he died after he overdosed on a common allergy medication when he took part in this TikTok challenge Jacob Stevens from Greenfield Ohio took 12 to 14 Benadryl tablets more than six times the recommended dosage his family said this it's an over-the-counter drug generic name is diphenhydramine it's an antihistamine it is typically used for allergies, insomnia, common cold stuff. The dangers hype on TikTok claiming that taking 12 to 14 tablets of Benadryl would induce hallucinations. But after taking that amount, while filming the stunt, the boy started having seizures and immediately was taken to the hospital. He was placed on a ventilator for almost a week. He later became brain dead, after which his family finally took him off support. According to the boy's father, Justin Stevens, who shared about the tragedy on a GoFundMe website, that is him in the hospital after trying to do this TikTok challenge. The fundraiser, which started up April 12th, a week or two ago, I asked for your help so we can have a proper funeral and a send-off for this young man. Thank you for your help. It's greatly appreciated by myself and his mother, the boy's father said on GoFundMe. 
They told ABC6 they're now trying to get lawmakers to impose an age restriction on Benadryl. Well, how about an age restriction on TikTok? Or better yet, just get rid of the damn thing off of your phone and your kids' phones because your kid will be the next one attached to some ventilator unit like this and then winding up brain dead and then dead dead because of TikTok. This is insane, my friends. This needs to have an end point somewhere. This is absolutely frightening. Unbelievable. <sighs> what is happening, America? Seriously, what is it? You know, I'm a big fan of Dan Bongino. He does a show here on Rumble. In fact, it comes on right after me. He starts at 11 o'clock. Um, I don't come anywhere close to following in Dan Bongino's footsteps. He is a remarkable podcaster and show host. He's live here on Rumble at 11. Please check him out. He's brilliant. I never miss a show. And I'm a what they call a P1 uh, listener viewer. I've been there almost from the very beginning. He is uh, an amazing guy. I, I do watch his show a lot. And um, he says he's, he's strong on America. He believes that, uh, that we'll, we'll come back. We're not done. I believe the same. However, this article is fascinating. By the way, if you just tuned in, this is my little dog, Miko. She's a Shiba Inu. She's three years old. And she decided she didn't like the fireworks tonight, so she had to come up and sit on my lap, which is fine. <laughs> All right. Hey, can we do anything about America's decline? This is an article from America, AM Greatness, American Greatness. The remedies are agreed upon, but the needed medicine is feared more than the disease. It's like Von Gino says. It just isn't bad enough yet. When it gets bad enough, things will change. And I know you're thinking, are you kidding me? It's not bad enough? The amount of death and destruction that's going on, the rioting, the burnings, the shootings. No, it's just not bad enough yet. It'll get there, and then you watch how fast things change. Today, the government is the cause of many of our crises. This is by Victor Davis Hanson, brilliant writer. Um, 21st century America on a trajectory of gradual decline until it began to implode. The accelerant, was it COVID-19? Unhinged lockdowns, the whole woke revolution fueled by the 2020 summer of exempted rioting, looting, arson, violence, or perhaps the deranged fixation on removing Donald Trump from the presidency and destroying the rule of law in the process. Or all that and more. Well, now with the election of that idiot rotting bag of oatmeal in the White House, Joe Biden, what had been a fast-track decline has accelerated at such an astonishing rate we can hardly recognize America for being America. Our largest cities becoming uninhabitable, dilapidated, dangerous, dysfunctional, the challenge isn't just rampant crime, but the realization that you, the citizen, are stabbed, shot, beaten up in the street, and the perpetrators are pretty much able to just get away scot-free. There's no punishment. The victim either will be forgotten in his misery or indeed blamed for bringing the violence on himself. This article is absolutely amazing, but we see incidents like this in the news every single freaking day. A day does not go by. You wake up, you check out your internet news websites, and what do you see? More violence and blaming the victim and the perpetrators just getting away with it. All these Soros-backed DAs turning a blind eye, refusing to prosecute. This article is amazing, and it gets into some of the possible good news, that things aren't as completely black as they're being painted. 
So it's a long article. It really is. So grab an extra cup of coffee and be prepared uh, because you got a lot of reading. But trust me, it is well worth the read. It really is. It's from American Greatness. And uh, let's just go back. There we go. Can we do anything about America's decline? All right, baby, you got to get down here, okay? Say bye to everybody out there. Say bye, Miko. Say bye-bye. All right, good girl. There we go. Hang on. Yeah. Watch your foot. There we go. All right. <laughs> Forgive me, okay? She needs a little comforting. All right. She's going to hang out. Uh, we got, I think we got one more to go, and then we're going to get on to our book, White Fang. Um, we always end our show, usually, the news and uh, and current affairs part of the program with a little bit of good news or weird news in some cases. And this is a bit of weird news. It's from DCEnquirer.com. It is strange. Uh, the Aurora Borealis is going on right now in places where you can see the Aurora Borealis. I got video coming up. Wait till you see this. It's, it's insane. And then I'll tell you what it is, which is kind of like, oh, yeah, of course. I don't want to, no spoilers, okay? So stand by. Observers of the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights in Alaska, witnessed to a surprise. Along with the majestic green bands, I mean, we've all seen pictures of the Aurora before. Uh, there was a baby blue spiral, kind of like a, a, a galaxy that emerged out of the Aurora Borealis and spread across the sky for several minutes. Speculation abound about what it was, everything from an alien invasion to a visitor portal, or maybe even a wormhole. The explanation, while very cool, is a little bit more earthy. Take a look at this video, if you're listening on our podcast, sorry, go to rumble.com, the Jay Sheldon show, check out our video. And uh, by the way, while you're here, there's a follow button down there. Just hit that follow button, please. Okay. Watch this. Watch this. This is time. Look at that. Look at that. You see it? This is time lapse. That. Watch it again. See it come up? Boom. Whoa. Is that freaky or what? It almost looks like it's fake, like it's been superimposed over top of the uh, Aurora footage. It's not. This is a time-lapsed cam. Look at that. Let me play it and freeze it if I can. Let me try and... There we go. Look at that. You know what that is? Not an alien invasion. Not a wormhole. Not a portal to another place. It is a vapor trail from a SpaceX rocket launch yes I, I know weird huh according to the ap excess fuel released from a recent spacex rocket launch in california this is in alaska about three hours before the phenomenon appeared is believed to be the cause fuel from rockets launches sometimes needs to be jettisoned uh, Don Hampton from the University of Alaska's Fairbanks Geology, he explained, mm, when they do that at high altitudes, the fuel turns into ice. And if it happens to be in the sunlight when you're in the darkness or on the ground, you will see it as a sort of a big cloud. And sometimes it's swirly. Well, it sure is. Look at that. I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. That is, that is amazing. Wow. Very cool. I saw that and I said, man, I, I got to share this. It's just, it's too cool. <laughs> Insane. All right. Uh, it's time for our book. Uh, a couple of things here. We do books on this show. The last part of our program, we've done this from almost the very first show, 350 some odd shows ago. Uh, we've read uh, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, all kinds of great books. We even read my children's book, Willie and the Warthog, here a while back. So we read them a chapter or part of a chapter at a time until we get all the way to the end, then we start a new book. All the books we've done so far have been classic children's books. 
as you can tell from the list I just read off. There's others, too. Uh, but um, somebody made the suggestion, one of our viewers, and brilliant. We, we, uh, we absolutely took him up on the idea. Uh, because of the way the first part of this show is, uh, political and commentary, and I'm a kind of an uber-conservative, um, he suggested we read George Orwell's 1984. And so we're going to. It is in the public domain. So once we're done with White Fang, we will move on to George Orwell's 1984. And I can't wait. I'll be honest with you. While I know the book, I know all the quotes from the book. I've never actually read the whole book. So if you haven't also, we'll discover it together. Uh, yeah. But right now we are doing the adventures of White Fang. And we're almost at the end of the book here. We're at uh, the final uh, fifth part, each part separated into uh, chapters. And this is chapter two of the final part. It's called The Southland. White Fang landed in the steamer in San Francisco. He was appalled. Deep in him, below any reasoning process or act of consciousness, he had associated power with Godhead. And never had the white men seemed such marvelous gods as now. When he trod the slimy pavement of San Francisco, the log cabins he'd known were replaced by towering buildings. The streets crowded with perils, wagons, carts, automobiles, great straining horses pulling huge trucks, and monstrous cable and electric cars hooting and clanging through the midst screeching their insistent menace after the manner of the lynxes he'd known in the northern woods. All of this was the manifestation of power. Though it all, through it all, behind it all, was man, governing, controlling, expressing himself as of old, by his mastery over matter. It was colossal, stunning, White Fang was awed. Fear sat upon him. As in his cubhood, he'd been made to feel his smallness and puniness on the day he first came in from the wild to the village of Grey Beaver. So now, in his full-grown stature and pride of strength, he was made to feel small and puny. And there were so many gods... He was made dizzy by the swarming of them. The thunder of the streets smote upon his ears. He was bewildered by the tremendous and endless rush, movement of things. As never before, he felt his dependence on the love master, close at whose heels he followed, no matter what happened, never losing sight of him. But White Fang was to have no more than a nightmare vision of the city, an experience that was like a bad dream, unreal, terrible, that haunted him for long after in his dreams. He was put into a baggage car by the master, chained in a corner to the midst of heaped trunks and valets. Here a squat and a brawny god held sway with much noise, hurling trunks and boxes about dragging them in through the door and tossing them into piles, or flinging them out of the door, smashing and crashing to other gods who awaited them. And here, in this inferno of luggage, was White Fang deserted by the master, or at least White Fang thought he was deserted, until he smelled out of the master's canvas clothes bag alongside of him and proceeded to mount guard over them. "'About time you come,' growled the god of the car, an hour late, when Wheaton Scott appeared at the door. "'That dog of yarn won't let me lay a finger on your stuff.' White Fang emerged from the car, and he was astonished. The nightmare city was gone. The car had been to him no more than a room in a house, and when he'd entered it, the city had been all around him. In the interval, the city had disappeared. The roar of it no longer dinned upon his ears. Before him was smiling country, streaming with sunshine, lazy with quietude. But he had little time to marvel at the transformation. 
he accepted it as he accepted all unaccountable doings and manifestations of the gods. It was their way. There was a carriage waiting. A man and a woman approached the master. The woman's arms went out and clutched the master around the neck. A, a hostile act. The next moment, Wheaton Scott had torn loose from the embrace and closed with White Fang, who'd become a snarling, raging demon. "'It's all right, mother,' Scott was saying as he kept tight hold of White Fang and placated him. "'He thought you were going to injure me, and he wouldn't stand for it. "'It's all right, it's all right. He'll learn soon enough. "'And in the meantime, I may be permitted to love my son when the dog is not around,' "'she laughed, though she was pale and weak from fright. "'She looked at White Fang, who snarled and bristled malevolently. "'He'll have to learn, and he shall, without postponement,' Scott said. He spoke softly to White Fang until he'd quieted him, and then his voice became firm. Down, sir. Down with you. This had been one of the things taught him by the master, and White Fang obeyed, although he laid down reluctantly and sullenly. Uh, now, mother, Scott opened his arms to her, but kept his eyes on White Fang. Down, he warned. Down. White Fang bristled silently, half-crouching as he rose, sank back, and watched the hostile act repeated. But no harm came of it, nor the embrace from the strange man-god that followed. And then the clothes bags were taken into the carriage, the strange gods, the love-master followed, and White Fang pursued, now running vigilantly behind, now bristling up to the running horses and warning them that he was there, to see that no harm befell the god they dragged so swiftly across the earth. At the end of fifteen minutes, the carriage swung in through a stony gate, between a double row of arched and interlacing walnut trees. On either side stretched lawns, their broad sweep broken here and there by great sturdy-limbed oaks. In the near distance, in contrast with the young green of the tended grass, Sunburnt hayfields showed tan and gold, while beyond were tawny hills and upland pastures. From the head of the lawn, on the first soft swell from the valley level, looked down the deep-porched, many-windowed house. Little opportunity was given White Fang to see all this. Hardly had the carriage entered the grounds when he was set upon by a sheepdog, bright-eyed, sharp-muzzled, righteously indignant, and angry. It was between him and the master, cutting him off. White Fang snarled, no warning, but his hair bristled as he made his silent and deadly rush. This rush was never completed. He halted with awkward abruptness, with stiff forelegs bracing himself against his momentum, almost sitting down on his haunches. So desirous was he of avoiding contact with the dog he was in the act of attacking. It was a female, and the law of his kind thrust a barrier between. For him to attack her would require nothing less than a violation of his instinct. But with the sheepdog, it was otherwise. Being a female, she possessed no such instinct. On the other hand, being a sheepdog, her instinctive fear of the wild, and especially of the wolf, was unusually keen. White Fang was, to her, a wolf. The hereditary marauder who preyed upon her flocks from the time sheep were first herded and guarded by some dim ancestor of hers. And so, as he abandoned his rush at her and braced himself to avoid the contact, she sprang upon him. He snarled involuntarily as he felt her teeth in his shoulder, but beyond this made no offer to hurt her. He backed away, stiff-legged, self-conscious, tried to go round her. He dodged this way and that curved turn to no purpose. She remained always behind him and the way he wanted to go. Here, Collie, called the strange man in the carriage. Wheaton Scott laughed. 
<laughs> Never mind, Father, it'll be good discipline. White Fang'll have to learn many things, and it's just as well he begins now. He'll adjust himself all right. Well, the carriage drove on, and still Collie blocked White Fang's way. He tried to outrun her by leaving the drive and circling across the lawn, but she ran on the inner, smaller circle and was always there, facing him with two rows of gleaming teeth. Back he circled across the drive to the other lawn, and again she headed him off. The carriage was bearing the master away. White Fang caught glimpses of it disappearing amongst the trees. The situation was desperate. He essayed another circle. She followed, running swiftly, and then, suddenly, he turned upon her. It was his old fighting trick. Shoulder to shoulder, he struck her squarely. Not only was she overthrown, so fast had she been running. She rolled along, now on her back, now on her side, and she struggled to stop, clawing gravel with her feet and crying shrilly her hurt pride and indignation. Well, White Fang didn't wait. The way was clear, and that's all he wanted. She took off after him, never ceasing her outcry. It was the straightaway now, and when it came to real running, White Fang could teach her things. She ran frantically, hysterically, straining to the utmost, advertising the effort she was making with every leap. And all the time, White Fang slid smoothly away from her silently without effort, gliding like a ghost over the ground. That's where we're going to end it up halfway through this chapter, and we'll pick it up again on Friday night and uh, continue until we get to the end of this chapter and start moving on to the next. That's going to do it for us. Hey, folks, if you don't mind, just take a quick moment, hit that follow button right over here. It's free. It just takes a second, and it really helps our show out a lot. We really do appreciate that. All of our sponsors are in our show notes. All the stuff we talked about is in there. There's all kinds of good stuff there, so check it out. And uh, I will see you again on Friday night. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And this has been The Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>